This program is a production of Radio 6 International. Hello! Hello, Edinburgh. 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 John, headphones on, you can hear me do the call. I can't. If I pull the cable, everything will come off the table. You pull it, I'm just thinking about health and safety, risk assessment, and all the rest. Of You're lights. not with the BBC anymore, my well, son. There's no, You're in? there's no reason not to be careful. No? No. Okay, right. Exactly. Everything's fine now. Right, we can try it again. Hold on. Hello, Edinburgh. Here we go. Last show. You can say you got it right. Achievement. I've, I've got it right all week. It's just that, you know, I just deliver in a slightly different way, as we all know. It's fine. Let's carry on. Yes, it's Friday the 25th of August. It's our last live recording here at the Rose Theatre and we have a not packed auditorium of people who picked up our free tickets from the box office. Hey, but that's okay. You know, we've got all of everybody who's awake in Edgar, Nebraska's listening. As always, population 437 because that's where the action is, Carl. Little tiny mining villages in the middle of nowhere outside of Hurricane Alley in America. Do you get to check your listen sort of... Details where people are listening to this. Listen details. What that? I don't yeah. know what <laughs> well, generally, as a long-term <laughs> podcast, so I shouldn't know this. But. Yeah. Well, the thing is, that's not actually the podcast. That's actually where we do this. Some broadcast on the radio. Oh. So it generally is whoever is awake in Edgar, Nebraska. I think the important thing is it's not about numbers. No. It's really about the quality of the content. That's what I said at work. It's about the love of it. All the time. The art. And that's why I no longer work there. <laughs> yeah. John, of course, I'm this speaking like about... therapy. Yeah, WKRP in Edgar, Nebraska. It's a great station that you worked for. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that as well. That but as well, more yeah. to the point. More it's to the point. It's not about the numbers. No. It's about it's whether we're having fun. Are you having oh, fun, I'm John? I'm having fun. I'm not sure about the guest. I am having fun. Yay! <laughs> Carl Donnelly joins us now. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you. Um, having finished your last, your podcast last yes. night yeah. with um, yourself and Chris Martin. Yep. I mean, Not that Chris Martin. We had Love John. Island's Ian Sterling on. Who um, is he? Um, do you know, he's always, he's a very funny stand-up, but he also is the voice of currently the, probably the biggest TV oh, show in the UK, oh, which is okay. Love Island. I've never watched it. it do you know, I, I'm not a fan of uh, reality television. But I accidentally watched one about a week into this series. And it's the third series. I've missed it, the whole other ones. And I watched one episode and then watched every other episode. <laughs> it's the most addictive TV show I've ever seen. Are you in any way embarrassed? No, because oh. it is... It, I, I know this is going to sound mad, but it's like, it felt like watching Big Brother Season 1 when it was sort of an interesting social experiment before it just became terrible and, you know, just about trying to get there people to do bad stuff. There was still a little stuff. bit of it in season two because you had John Tickle and the chickens. Who? Oh, yes, John Big Brother Tickle. Who was John, oh, yeah, Tickle? John Tickle? He was annoying, Big, Big Brother season really? two. I don't remember John Tickle. Ah, how how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, what, what is Richard Hammond's sidekick on Sky One before he did Top, Where, Top Gear doing now? Where's John Tickle? Yeah, what's it? Do we know what John Tickle's up to these it was days? a terrible name as well. I mean, not, was it a real not, name? Not, not that I wish to lo- launch a character assassination, but my God, what a name. So, yes, yeah, bad. Not yeah. that he had any choice in it. He's actually Mr. Tickle. That's yeah. fun on his... <laughs> John, on his back delayed status. reaction. <laughs> yes. God. Yeah, it's taken me, what, how long? 15 years? Yeah. Just to put that to sink in. Right there. Yeah. Day uh, 
7,616 like thinking about yeah. the Big Brother house, <laughs> and John finally gets the joke. I will get there eventually. <laughs> yes. Carl, where are yeah. you performing this year? Uh, I've been on the uh, Blunderbuss, Bob's Blunderbuss, the whole month. Yes, and previously you've performed in the Big Four venues, you've done the small yeah. venues, you've kind of run the gauntlet of... All the different ways you can perform as a stand-up. Yeah, I fancied a year of um, weirdly like I've sort of the last five years I've been at the Pleasance. I love the Pleasance; it's a great venue. But uh, I just fancied a year of doing something a bit more intimate. I wanted a venue that was really small and like somewhere I was sort of almost amongst them rather than them sitting it there in front of me it's watching a show. You're filling up the top deck of a double deck. Yeah, bus. and it only you can only squeeze forty-five people in, and that's you know intimate. Or you know, everyone's packed in. Like a girl yesterday, we had, we had to sort of move her to the sort of one of the slightly more airy bits, bits of the bus because she basically was having a panic attack because of the how well, no, nothing about her but I mean but it's, it's, I've never played a venue before that can induce panic attacks so well, maybe it wasn't the venue maybe it was I mean this was bef- at the start we, this was before <laughs> yeah. I started John if we look at the baseline of all of Carl's gigs yeah yeah Nobody panic attacks. Yeah. One thing changes, the venue... Oh, I've yeah. had a panic, panic attack out. on stage. Though. Have you? Yeah, 2009, oh. I um, was doing my debut show. About halfway through the run, I'd sort of... You know, it's a stressful thing doing your first yes. year. And uh, also I'd been... You know, I was a young, excitable man. You'd got you a loft the, bar. Did I did the, the hand drink gesture. Yeah. I'd basically been burning the candle at both ends for right. two weeks. And I, just, I, I went on stage thinking, I'm in a bad shape for this show today. And that just, I could not get that sort of mantra out of my head. And halfway through the show, I had a panic attack and I had to tell the audience uh, guys I'm going to have to take two minutes and uh, I basically for some reason rather than leave the stage I just sat on the stage while they all stared at me and I got my breath back and just sort of <laughs> right, took a knee yeah. this is progressive <laughs> comedy <laughs> this is amazing this performance art piece he does halfway through where he has a panic attack this and sits down this was when you were at the underbelly this was underbelly this was the one in yeah. the med cord with no the no that was um, this was in the deli belly at the underbelly cowgates okay. yeah. um, and I can't remember yeah that, that, that one at the the med cod was uh, Carl Donnelly 3, Carl yeah. Donnelly. Yeah. What did um, you do to get out of the panic attack like, I just when sat, you sat down? I just got my breath. I sat and breathed for two minutes while they just stared at me. And then I sort of came out of it. I went to them, guys, I think I'm, I think I'm in the clear. And, uh, and just we carried on the show. It was like a little interval. <laughs> Is that why we have intervals? Maybe that's why, you, because all the performers just need to have a moment. <laughs> oh my God, I don't believe what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, it's horrible. Uh, so, I mean, how, is, how did that color? How has that coloured your Edinburgh experience? Obviously, it's a great story now. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a lovely, look at me, I'm vulnerable and I don't need to burn any material from my shop, which is great. We don't yes. want to burn the material. But what does that mean now when you look at Edinburgh? Does it give you more sort of respect of the danger of doing the French? Well, I think I've always had, you know, I, think, I don't think a lot of audiences really how sort of stressful a month it can be. I've got better and better at doing Edinburgh over the years just mentally. You know, in the old days, I used to, yeah, there was times when I had tricky years. And I was, I'd love going on stage every night. My show was the highlight of the day because that was the bit where I was in control and, you know, I knew what I was doing and knew what I was there for. It was the other 23 hours. It's sort when of just, you're thinking about the prospect of yeah, doing the next one. Well, not even thinking about that, but it's just a very, it's a very emotionally charged place, this festival, you know. If you've got any personal problems, this place will really get it out of you. <laughs> it will lure them to the surface. And then it'll get it out, and over the month you'll have a breakdown. You're really selling Edinburgh. It's the best place in the world, <laughs> but you know it is. It is a you know it's a it's a it's, it's just yeah, it's a very emotional place. You can feel it in the air. I think you can see a lot of people having tough months, and like you know it's it's exciting. That's what that adds to the excitement. The fact that at any point you know someone can just so flip what, out. What are you taking away now from doing it on the bus as a, using the free fringe model where people can either buy the ticket in advance or there's a bucket at the end, compared to 
going out and doing the big venues, you know, having the seat minimums and all of that. What, how has that changed you? Um, oh, well, weirdly, I don't think, I mean, because we, cause I'm not to, I, just, I don't want this to sound like a brag or anything, because yeah, all my tickets were on sale, but yeah, I could get people in if they didn't sell out, but because it's so small, it has just sold out. So I've not had to deal with that thing of people coming in and sort of just paying what they want as yet. So I've not had experience that side of it. But what I, I mean, the size of the venue, what I've experienced is like, I've loved, the show has changed over the month in the room because normally just every night you go in and it's sort of, it's a normal room, they're all staring at you. But the show I, I showed up with here was a, was like a straight stand-up show and it's ended up becoming a much more storytelling show over the month because I'm sort of really relaxed, like surrounded just by these people that are right in front of me. And so yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a brilliant exercise yeah. in sort of just over the month, the show developing more than I think I've ever developed a show up here as the run's gone on. I don't want to give the impression that I've got any plans, but what advice would you give someone who might be thinking of doing the same as you? Um, what Next it's year, doing, as opposed to this year. Doing a, what, a sh- just a, yeah, a, show a show on a bus, or just well, in general? <laughs> not, not specifically a bus, yeah. but just in general, given just, your experience. Well, it's, I mean, it's, if there's, there's so many different types of shows up here that I wouldn't stress... Like, I think if anyone who wants to do a show should do a show. That's the beauty of a fringe. Um, but in terms of just, yeah, be prepared for the tough days where you've got to take a knee halfway through your show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should just program that in. I think I might next year. Just I was have, thinking... just have somebody come along with some lines made, some popcorn, some bunkers, <laughs> and just sell some merchandise at the halfway point. I feel weirdly. I've, I've always had an idea for a show that I'm sure at some point is going to happen, which is a two-hour show, but it's two slots back-to-back in the same room. Where I do an hour, then have a 15-minute break, then do another hour of the show. But they both can be watched independently, but it's better if you watch both. <laughs> and I've, 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 I've had that idea in my head for a long time. There was a theater... And I feel like next year it might happen. There was a theatre piece of... Ooh, about six or seven years ago that went in the assembly rooms and what they did was they did two shows but they ran them at the same time yeah. so one of the venues was the front of house of the theatre and you saw the show but the second venue which was next door was the backstage and all the politics uh, and shenanigans backstage uh, so we had to go two off. separate days yeah, yeah. to see both sides of the story but both worked independently well, I saw a great I saw a play called Anatomy of a Suicide which obviously it's not, it's not, a, it's hey, not a happy upbeat. one it's not an upbeat play yeah. but, but if, um, there's, if there's a two minute gap in the middle you know really <laughs> have a thing but it's absolutely brilliant it's the best thing I've seen this year where's that but it was well, this was at uh, the Royal Court in London oh right uh, okay. but it was there's basically three different storylines playing out on stage at the same time often all speaking at the same time so it was almost impossible to fully follow every single one but what you just they did it so well that now and again you'd tune in they'd all be sort of following different or similar themes mm. and it was just one of the most bold things I've ever seen really like you know it was a hard watch for an audience but it was so different it was, I loved it so one of the things that a number of communities said is that, that you get to Edinburgh and it's the, the end of the year and you're already thinking about your show and how you're going to plan the next year have you, che- you know, the influences you've had this year, the move to storytelling, the move to more intimate, the move to sort of doing it in the round, like like snooker at the Crucible in Sheffield, uh, <laughs> as opposed to doing it in, at Wembley. Has are you already sort of changing next year? How's that? Yeah, bubble I away? think it's it's, given, it's it's been a good experience in sort of trusting myself a bit more and stretching stuff out. And you know, I think as a comic, you can't as a stand up, you're so scared of not getting a laugh for a certain length of time. You know. But I think in this room and doing this show, there's times where the stories, you know, I, I think it, it's because it's such a there's an energy in the room because it's so small that you can you can actually have a little couple of minutes where you can say something a bit more personal, a bit more 
but I think the audience have been willing to go with is, it. Is it true that that dead punk promoter who doesn't know, who pretends he doesn't know what he's doing, Bob Slayer, has actually created the safest but riskiest space in the best? That's the best. One? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, Bob. I've never worked with Bob until this year. Nobody but, works with Bob. No, you just kind of but circular. It, yeah, but I've, my relationship with Bob over the last sort of seven or eight years is just I get drunk with him about twice a year by accident. Like somehow we just come across each other in like some like the Soho Theatre in London or something, or one up here. One, we just get drunk and have a laugh. But I've, I've always thought. I don't know how he functions as a businessman oh, and working with him for a month he's actually really professional yeah, but he's really good <laughs> at hiding it the second yeah. you start talking business I mean he was in the Times business section yesterday yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about the whole model of the free fringe and the disruption yeah. that it was done and it's like he knows what he's doing. He's, he's, doing, he's very professional up until about 7 p.m. Yeah, I think that's perfectly <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he works business hours. Yeah, there's, there's, there's Bob Hay, the promoter, yeah. who yeah. never uses actual surname. And then there's Bob Slayer, who hangs about with oh, like yeah. electric eel, hacksaw, yeah. uh, a whole bundle of others, and just sort of bounces around the world in this cloud of alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. it's, and, and let's not be judgmental because that's perfectly fine. I don't, but I, I think he, yeah, he would yeah. be the first to agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> the beauty of it. Yeah. We shouldn't be judgmental or. That, oh, yeah. no, 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 that, 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 we're not I'm, judging. Just, yeah, suddenly yeah. making it about me. I don't. I, yeah. Yeah. Right, Carl. Remind us because you've got uh, the show going on at the bus. Yeah. Which is when? Uh, Seven thirty. Uh, for, well, for the next two nights, but they are sold out. Sorry, guys. Oh. You could just maybe like hang around. Maybe there's no be sticking out or you can yeah. sort of like listen in from the staircase <laughs> yeah, yeah just stand outside the bus any other sets buy-ins um, packages that you're going to sneak through what i'm doing well people can listen to my podcast which is we've recorded some really good live ones up here like yep. guests like tommy tiernan and yeah last uh, one was last night they're available yeah uh, so you with chris martin me and chris martin it's called the cold on and chris martin comedy podcast which is the worst we named it before podcasts were really well known so why we is just, that the worst title well because understand. it's too long you know but, it's all about a catchy hook but it. it's clear it is clear but yeah, i think it in hindsight what it is yes yeah, true, i think it's terribly important yeah. and, and you're appearing on the edinburgh fringe radio show and podcast yeah <laughs> which is <laughs> equally yeah. terrible yeah, which is equally terrible but you know we started in 2005 and edinburgh fringe show sounded like a really good uh, idea yeah. at the time um so you've got there going on throughout the year the patron finances that you supported yeah. by the community very briefly um, yeah, we do Patreon, which people can support. We also do live shows where people come out, and yeah, it's sort of. So we, it's sort of, it's nice. We don't expect to make huge money from it, but the fact that it sort of Coming covers its costs nowadays is really nice because it's just a fun thing to do, isn't it? And you didn't have that option five, ten years ago. Not at all. And we've just done a spin-off. The money we from the Patreon we used to, to basically record a spin-off series um, called Babysitting Trevor, where we've basically we've got a, a friend called Trevor Crook, who's the most eccentric old Australian guy. Somehow we've just become friends over the years and we decided to sort of do a show where we challenge him to do things and see how he gets on because he's really sort of he just likes sitting in his house on the sofa in his pants watching cricket that's all he does of his life so we now try and get, we're trying to make him a modern man and like we've sent him to yoga and all this stuff and we hear his feedback each week so yeah that's it's so we've just we've just recorded the second season at the minute because the first one was really fun and Lovely. actually more, more successful than our own podcast. That's <laughs> fine. More details on your website, which is... Uh, carldonley.co.uk. Lovely. Carl, thanks for coming along. Cheers, uh, Great to have you. We'll have uh, more details uh, and links into the buying the tickets that are sold out, but we'll have the link anyway so people can follow through on the website, which is edmarfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Do, Do be careful the speaking. Yeah, don't words. knock your head out. Please, please, be careful about <laughs> and the chair it's and going. the microphones and everything. It's going. I mean, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just health and safety not mad. I'm, that was clear. He's, he's the only one who hasn't had any trouble. 
<laughs> there we go. Uh, Carl Donnelly there. And uh, right now, what should we do next? Should we take a little burst of music from Sing in the City before we get Elaine Dove up to tell us uh, about uh, exciting adventures over the weekend of a cappella choir uh, and shows that carry on after the fringe into September, October, and the rest of the year up here in Edinburgh? Uh, she's shaking your head. You don't want to come up now, no? You do want to come up. Okay, why are you shaking your it's not a cappella. Well, There's we a band. Cover that later. We, we could, yeah. I think they're being slightly pedantic. She's yeah. here now. Let's just have. Yeah, it. and it gives us an opening line for the interview. Details, details, details. Yeah, and it, you know, it makes me look bad. It makes the guests look good. I mean, it's a pretty good way to get yeah. into the interview when it comes through after this track.
Let Me Go There from Sing in the City, who are going to be taking to the streets of Edinburgh on Sunday at 2pm up at St Giles uh, to just give a little bit of a concert and outdoor and a first And joining us now, uh, for someone who I've never met before and I have no idea what Elaine Dove's up to. Hello, Elaine, how are you? Hiya, how are you? Nice <laughs> to see you. It's a bit different, isn't it? To see you. It's a, it is a bit, yeah. Um, okay, you know, hand on heart, you know, we know each other from Eurovision. Um, I know John through Eurovision, um, but you two don't. No. So, so we need the blind date music here, effect. If we don't, we. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a choice then. I mean, if, uh, technically, for a blind date thing, there should be three other people, shouldn't there? I can't believe I've been turned down. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. He already wants down. two other choices. Um, can I had, see? Had, should we know each other? Should I remember? I I have heard your dulcet tones over the years. Really? Mm-hmm. Where? On the um, the AC Insight podcast, you really? know, when oh. we went, that song will never win, and it was Jamala. And, it won. and then the year after, you <laughs> went, yes. Portugal, it's lovely, but it'll never win, and it won. I don't think I said it will never win. Actually, sorry, just let's take a moment. <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't think I said. I think you'll find that on both those podcasts, both Ellie and I said that we would hope it would win. And then when they did win, we were both very, very it's smug a, on social media. Very, very thin edge Smugness of the wedge. Yes. It's very important to me. <laughs> uh, right then, so, Elaine. Yes. Uh, we will take now Eurovision and we'll bring it back to Singing City. Go, why didn't you lot enter Choir of the Year? Um, because we, the, the MD was actually very interested in it, but by the time we heard about it, it was, um, it was far too fun. Uh, it down was already yeah far too yeah. far down the line, and I think we were already. It turned out we were singing at a wedding the same night it was on. So you know, you mean Eurovision yeah. Choir of the Year? Yes. Yeah. Essential. So what you're saying is you turned down Eurovision Choir of the Year. We did. The PR line would we be did. you turned yeah. down Eurovision Choir of the Year because you were singing at a wedding. We were. Yeah. yeah. Was it a good wedding? It was a fabulous wedding. I, should I hope think. so. Uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right then. So singing the city. Tell us about the group. Right. Well, singing the city started about seven years ago with. 20, 30 members, uh, and, and Kirsty had her sort of singing for fun choir. It's and Kirsty Beard, who's in charge of the whole thing. Kirsty Beard, allegedly. yes. She is totally in charge. She's totally in control. Nothing ever goes wrong. Uh, and over the years, that has increased to now. Uh, we moved to Fife in 2015. Uh, we've got four choirs over there now. Then we branched out into Falkirk. Uh, we had a one during the day in Delgate Bay and we just started one in Perth. So in seven years, it's gone from about 20 members to 700 members. So in her wisdom, now, you've, you know, we're, we're here at the Edinburgh Festival. You, you've seen what it's like up there on the Royal Mile. <laughs> we thought, what a great idea. Let's try and get 250 people to all manage to meet in the same place at the same time and sing some songs. Simple. And did that work? No, it's about to happen. It's about I'm sorry, to happen. I know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler, John, it's happening yes. on Sunday. Uh, and how? Where have these people come from? Are they amateurs? They're amateurs. Yes, they're yeah, they're just people that love to sing. They're like you or I. They're like Joe Bloggs off the street that just like to sing, join a choir, and uh, come along on a weekly basis. And uh, we decided that it would be really good to get twelve of these choirs all together with as many people that wanted to. And yeah. um, we will, Kirsty will have complete control of I think I think we think there's about 250 members all going to be sidestepping in time on the Royal Mile. The word control comes up a lot in this interview which <laughs> says suggests to me that there's uh, an underlying word that you prefer to use. <laughs> I, <laughs> uncontrolled. I just I would just always say anything can happen. Anything goes. Right. You know, so we can go Cole from Porter, 1954. <laughs> complete control to 
Oh, she's doing a handstand. Literally, uh, whilst conducting 250 people. Oh, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're on our own because she is doing a handstand. This is not an analogy or a metaphor no, or a it euphemism. Is, no, it is no quite kind literally of she clowns literally, around as well. Uh, she is fabulous at what she does. There will be uh, audience participation. There oh. is always a drunk person, not from the choir, I would like to, to say. There is, we always attract a drunk person that appears as if from nowhere. I don't think we've yet had nudity, but that doesn't say that it won't happen. Would we did have a very drunk man that... Uh, the. One of the choirs, we did a busk about two weeks ago and a very drunk man appeared and they were like, he was, we thought he was covered in pigeon poo and everyone was trying to avoid him. But one of the choir members spoke to him at the end of the show. He wasn't. He'd fallen into his Tunnock's tea cake and, <laughs> and he was absolutely covered in Tunnock's tea cake. Wow. John, do we need to buy you a Tunnock's tea cake or no, is that a suitable? No, not now. No, no, that's really put me off them, really. <laughs> Really? Yeah, oh. yeah, I think so. What a shame. So, Sing the City runs throughout the year um, in Edinburgh and Fife in, in the Central Belt. Uh, and there's concerts going throughout the year. There's big Christmas concerts and everything coming up. So, where can people find out more? Where can people get involved? There are. So, our website is www.choiredinburgh.co.uk. So, all the details are on the website. Um, but, yeah, we have two shows coming up in the Churchill Theatre in September. September, Friday the 22nd and Saturday the 23rd of September uh, and we have another two in November both in the Churchill Theatre so that's, you know, people come along of a night, choirs are about 60, 70 in each choir and sort of maybe every 14, 15 months they all do a show, we did a huge big show at the Usher Hall last year where we had about 400 members on the stage sold out the Usher Hall um, so yeah, people just, people love to sing and I think people you know, worry a lot of the times, like, oh, I can't sing, and oh, no, I could never go along to a choir because, oh, they say I'm, I'm out of tune. It doesn't matter. If you, if you like to sing in the shower, anyone can come. There's no additions. There's no... You don't need to be able to read music. You come along, you sit with a bunch of equally enthusiastic people and you sing and you go away and you feel fantastic. And it has a great community spirit and the clubs and everything that goes on it behind the club does. and social circles, etc, etc, et Yeah, a lot of fundraising happens from it. About £75,000 in the seven years that we, we've uh, raised that goes out to local local Scottish charities and whatnot. So, yeah, it's yeah we've abseiled off the bridge, we've ran marathons, we've we go, you know, people go walking. We eat a lot of cake and drink a lot of coffee. Um, obviously, I hide that very well. Oh, yeah, we almost drowned on the Union Canal in the raft race. That was another... Carol Baines, one of the choir members, has quite a lot to answer for. Her latest one that she wants to do is, you know, the Red Bull soap, soapbox car racing? Down the hill. And, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, right. we're, going to stick Kirsty, yeah we're going to stick Kirsty in a vehicle with no brakes. My yeah. risk assessment brain is kicking it's in. It's just no, kicking. We, yeah. we need so to my brain's just going, that's a great idea. My wife just singing in the city. Vicky, you're not, not doing the soapbox racing. You can take pictures, that's fine, yes. And they will be posted up on vickyclicks.com, just the same as all the pictures are taken from our live shows. You can see what we get up to here at the Rose Theatre with the support of the Gilded Balloon. Elaine, remind us once more where people can come and see Sing in the City at the Fringe. Uh, we'll be up at Parliament Square, just outside the Signet Library. 250 people, all sidestepping in beautiful time And that's together. on Sunday, starting at 2pm. And there'll be links up on the websites and YouTubes and all of that. And Lee, thanks very much for coming along. And uh, we're going to head in to do John's favourite part of the show. <sighs> John's favourite part of the show. Yay. 
John's favourite part the of the show. Thing, the review thing. It's it's, it's the best we're going to get. Yeah, it really but is. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Not even a little little turn up turn. Yay! Yeah, yay! <laughs> there we go. That'll do. It's our second last look at the reviews and recommendations. Uh, of course, the ultimate review is watch the speaker as you try and sneak on the stage <laughs> quietly. Thanks, John. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm all right. You're, you're okay. Lovely. Yeah. Right. We're going to just get your breath back. Come to you in a second. Yeah. There you go. John's health and safety is now just got a little red light flying going. It's terrible. Are you a John with an H? No, J-O-N. So just a J-O-N. Oh, this, yeah. Is, yeah, this is very difficult, cool. isn't it? John? Yeah, <laughs> just John. You're just trying to get out of the reviews. It's not going to happen, John. My John. My John. Yeah, there we go. Right then. Get it over with. People put their heart and soul into Absolutely. putting these shows on. I just don't like reading things out. Well, okay, fine. Do it blind <laughs> then. The show's a hunger artist. Tell us about hunger artists uh, without a, looking. It's an eclectic, visually striking adaptation of a Kafka, Kafka story about artistic obsession and what it's like when the world stops valuing what you do. Wow, that's something I recognise. Um, four stars from Broadway, baby, who say it's wacky, witty, and a challenge in drama. Again, not unlike myself, and unsettling, unsettlingly funny. Also, basically a descriptor for me. Uh, fringe guru, five stars, a bravura display, which, in brackets, redefines small-scale fringe theatre. If I had a sixth star, it would get one. Close quotes. There we go. That's a hunger artist playing at zoo venues uh, at 5.45pm till Monday. That's zoo venues, and in honour of Ian Kendall, who's not here, that's the zoo on South Clark Street, not the zoo that has the animals. Is that Don't the one with the panda? There. The zoo with the animals is the panda, one with the panda. It? It's not that zoo, it's the other zoo. Yeah, okay. It's the other zoo. Right then. Uh, these uh, first batch coming from Fringe Guru in the iFringe application, iFringe.com. It knows where you are, what shows are brilliant, and what the critics are raving about. And they give us the top shows in the last 24 hours. Hunger Artist is one of them. The other one is Goose and Feta Waltz. Uh, and I've got to say, I've not seen the show yet, but I saw Goose's show last year, and it is just a riot of multimedia and comedy and poetry. Uh, this year, uh, he continues to carry on with his sketch. He'll bring a live band and technical tricks, uh, but it's all sculpted round a murder mystery. Okay. You've gone a bit creepy now. It's murder mystery. Can't go, oh, a murder mystery. Dumpty, 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 dumpty. Oh, well, I can't. <laughs> well, I should have taken that one because I would have done that. Yeah, you, what, you would have done the theme tune to the yeah, arches over it. I would have made it. it all very fluffy. Yeah, I'm falling off the roof. Whoa. <laughs> five stars in three weeks. Incredibly ambitious and beautifully crafted. And five stars in Broadway, baby. Frenzied and structured, crazed and delicate. A comedic spectacle that thrills and excites. Same with Broadway, baby. They're able to look at the reviews that are being read by the public and which are the most read reviews over the last 24 hours with no deviation hesitation repetition or the printer ink is running out so John has to take the first one I have to take the first one because you obviously know what the second one is uh, the first one is called Victim which immediately appe- appeals to me uh, it's a one woman show uh, follows a power struggle between a prison guard and a criminal as they come face to face with a notorious inmate uh, hot on the heels of villain 2016 set out five star offy nominated offy nominated off Broadway oh uh, Bruce Sky return. I'm with guessing Martin Murphy's darkly comic new play, Victim. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing on Offie. It, it might just be the, the the most loved by drunks, or maybe it's a typo. 
Or possibly it's a typo as well, but I did cut I mean, and paste I, it from their official listing. That doesn't mean that it's not a typo. No, it These things can still happen. No. There we go. Uh, Joanne McNally, Bite Me, is our final recommendation today, playing Assembly Roxy at 6.20. Joanne was on an amazing diet that was brilliant until it landed her in a clinic with loads of people who had lost their minds, which was ridiculous because Joanne had definitely still had hers. Turns out her mind had liked it years ago, and learning back became the hardest, funniest, and weirdest time of her life. It's an all-holds-barred approach to experiences with eating disorders and thoughtful, deeply sensitive, laugh-out-loud production. Joanna McNally, bite me at Assembly Roxy, joins victim at the Pleasance 2pm, Goosam Federwaltz at Assembly George Square 4.30pm, and Hunger Arts at Zoo 5.45pm. You know, you could just about get all of them in in one day if you really wanted to. As always, links back to the shows that we've reviewed and recommended are on our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. You'll find more at Broadway Baby, more at Fringe Guru, and download the iFringe application at ifringe.com. There we go. Okay, it's over, John. You never have to do that again this year. <sighs> That's great, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. great. I'm really sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to be down on on everybody's hard work, but I just find live reads really miserable. Well, I really do. You need to find a better way of doing it next year. Where if you is there going to be a next year? Is there really? Is that well, is you that, know? That's obviously dependent on America versus North Korea. But at the moment, it's fifty <laughs> fifty that we're going to have an. A, okay. A, a well, new assuming year that the year. America and North Korea thing gets sorted out by yes. someone grown up and sensible, then that, yeah. Um, I'll 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 work on better live reading. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Right then, we have a musical sting for our next guest, but we'll play it at some point during the interview. So, so John, if you're ever going into trouble doing this interview, other John, this is going to be interesting. We need some kind of naming convention now. <laughs> um, so let's go for Mr. Ivey, yeah. um, who's, our, who's our guest now, and John. <laughs> yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, fine, I mean, right. John, obviously, you've, you know, Mr. Ivey, you've got Ivey. time, but John's kind of got, you know, he got yeah. here first with the name for the podcast. Absolutely. So, so we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go with that right then. Uh, joining us now, Mr. John Ivey, the writer of the show called DeLorean, playing the Assembly Rooms right now, starting at I 12, uh, yeah. playing through until the 27th. <laughs> uh, so I've got a chance to see this tomorrow. Uh, John is desperately looking through for his notes. It's that one there. How, how is it that it can be on now and you're here john the clue is in the title shouldn't you be in it anyway john as the writer hold on it's a delorean what are deloreans famous for i get that no i get that but really uh, even as the writer wouldn't you don't you feel that sort of need to be i need to be there just to check that everything's okay i've been there every every pretty much every performance so you know are you bored of it now no the draw of coming here you know to say no i've got i've got to do this show you flatter it's just gonna have to miss me for an hour i had no idea about the delorean story which says quite a lot about me and my lack of research but it's quite an astonishing tale mm. it's it's a, it's a kind of hazy news story from when i was fairly young and at the time i didn't quite understand what it was all about um and then it's just one of those things over many years that you know i kind of just t- took an interest in and when i looked into it and thought to myself how did we go from a sort of british government backed kind of initiative to sort of bring hope to northern ireland how did that end up in a hotel room in los angeles with a suitcase full of cocaine to sort of try and save this factory with a man surrounded by what he thought was the mafia how do we how do we go from that <laughs> and kind of get to there and but nowadays um, we'd say brexit yeah absolutely you know no and it's you know it's it's got a kind of sort of i suppose a lot of people say to me oh it's got that sort of movie sort of feel about it this sort of 
story feels like a movie and stuff. But uh, so, so to bring this back for listeners yeah. who might not be intensely familiar, yeah. this is the story of John DeLorean, mm. the man who decided mm. he would build some really posh cars mm. in Northern Ireland. Yeah, I mean, really, what, what the story that we tell is not so much about his life. It's really the, the, the moment he was the vice president of General Motors at the time was the biggest car company in the world, and he left General Motors and after a couple of years decided to set up his own car company, but he didn't have the money to set it up. So he had this idea of, why don't we look around the world and see what kind of governments around the world would give us money to come to maybe the poorer parts of the world where they want to make something happen and build, uh, build a factory, build a car and employ thousands of people. And out of the many countries that offered him this opportunity, Northern Ireland... Um, the British government offered him a kind of a deal of a lifetime, you know, a lot, I mean, a hundred million then, in 1978, basically, 54 million from the government and other investments added up to about a hundred million. So it was to come to Ireland at the height of the troubles and build this factory in amongst a kind of Catholic and a Protestant council estate, so the toughest part of West Belfast. And it was to kind of give prosperity, hope, and, and, you know, maybe bring a little bit of peace to Ireland. So it's, uh, the play... Were 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 those intentions, Jim, Genuine, authentic, and sincere, or were they? Just... I think they were. They were very genuine from the Irish point of view. They were very genuine from the British point of view in many respects. Um, I think from John DeLorean's point of view, yeah, absolutely great. If he could um, make a lot of money, make a lot of cars, be successful, and and and, and do some good, why not? But um, unfortunately, within the sort of uh, over the period of the company existing from 1979, 78 to 1982, a lot of things um, he made a, a serious amount of mistakes and fundamentally embezzled his own company um he wouldn't have seen it like that he would have seen it as like just borrowing some money for a short period of time to use for that kind of excuse or use for that but it was a very um it was a real lost opportunity i mean that that's the sort of sad thing he he could it was a fine line between being one of the most heroic figures of sort of recent irish history or being seen as a complete failure, con man. <laughs> you know, so it was, and, and unfortunately, fell on the side of a complete failure, con man, and uh, and and that's you know he's, he's now seen as a very flawed person. Which I'm was. no businessman. Yeah. I, clearly, I am no mm. businessman, but I think I know what the fundamental flaw was in his business model, <laughs> which is that the car is really ugly. <laughs> I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, who I, I, on earth thought you know that how that famous, You know that how I famous know, that car is. I know exactly what that car is, but my uh, God, it doesn't it I know, doesn't but the oddest, well, thing, the oddest thing about the car is, I went to this, this was a while ago, in a film thing, and it was like in Leicester Square, and they had all these kind of classic cars all around Leicester Square. It was, it was once some big movie. And it was like from E-type Jaguars, Ferraris, whatever. But the biggest crowd was stood around a DeLorean. And it's that odd thing, because kids... You know, my, I've got a 14-year-old son, and he, he thinks it's like the coolest car ever. Well, you and need to that, correct I know that. I need to correct I try to correct <laughs> My you know, God, what so. sort of a parent are you? Uh, <laughs> For the record, the views of John do not necessarily... definitely <laughs> don't uh, match up with the host uh, of this I, show. <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily need to... I mean, really. He's, yeah. Your son is right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... The funny when, when, when researching into the in, into the play, I mean the reason. I mean the car was technically the biggest automotive white elephant in the history yeah. of mm-hmm. motor production. And the thing that swung it was, it was that the pre at the time of his court case in 1984, the pre-production script for Back to the Future um, was uh, the time traveling device in Back to the Future was the fridge in the kitchen. And everyone said, "Oh, do you know what? A fridge as a time traveling device just isn't going to work. We need something better. We need." something more original 
and it just happened that the Norian was in court and there was this picture of this car with these going doors and sort of stainless steel. <laughs> and they said, that's what we need. We need that car because it doesn't look like anything else on the road today. So presumably and, and, the reason they ended up... because it was up never on the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing was, we tried, the funny thing was, we tried to get a DeLorean for our publicity, you know, for, for, the, for the venue that we're at. And we Cost found a guy in Edinburgh who's got a DeLorean and he said, oh, absolutely, you know, no, I'm really interested in bringing my car along. And we said, great, no, bring the car along. And then he phoned up, he said, our oh, car, it's failed, it's MOT. And it was just that sort of thing. It was almost like, shall we put it on the back of a lorry and bring it to the venue? Would that actually be a story in its own way? No, but- it's just, it was, <laughs> it was too heavy. He was trying to do it with the Condor Absolutely, V6. Then yeah. had Colin Chapman yeah. cover it in steel and wait it down. <laughs> so are we, an are engine we, I, from a Cortina. <laughs> for the sake of clarification on my part, are we saying that the reason the DeLorean ended up in the Back to the Future script mm. is because at the same time it was suddenly in the news yeah absolutely the court case coincided with pre-production of back to the future and and you know like i say the car is i mean say what the the point is that the car from this automotive white elephant and an embarrassment to everyone concerned the british government and everyone involved in the project suddenly became probably the most iconic car of the 1980s or certainly one of the most iconic cars and it's that fine line now and look actually there is now a delorean motor company in america which a british guy bought and he bought everything they're making and painstakingly put together i know look i mean it's funny because i've never in a way it wasn't the car that kind of interested me in the story that i think for me it was that i grew up with that kind of northern ireland in the on the TV every day of your life in the backdrop and then suddenly for me at sort of like 13 years old at that time was this amazing looking American man who looked you know fit healthy tanned you know big coat you know flown in from Concord and, and there he was in the middle of Belfast saying we're going to just build thousands of cars and we're going to bring all these amazing things to this country and the fact is that you know the Irish workforce who got involved in this project I mean they gave they worked their, they worked their socks off they, they, they really they were, they were semi-skilled labourers technically but they learned how to build a car maybe not brilliantly at first but I think by the time the factory closed in 1982 they were getting the hang of it you know yes. but it was just a little bit late in the run it really. was a little bit late in the run it's not um, unlike this podcast actually, <laughs> truth be told yeah. uh, yeah. John, John of course is taking the role crash. of the Cortina <laughs> engine yeah. uh, Mr Ivy tell us when the show is on it's on now, mid- now <laughs> mid- midday to one right fifteen, and we're on till Sunday. And we're doing a, I mean, the reason of coming to Edinburgh, we're doing a slightly condensed, a 75-minute version of what we hope to be an hour and a half kind of play in the long term after Edinburgh. So, we, you know, it's been great to be able to come up here and just try this show out and, you know. And so people can it. find out more details and keep an eye for when it's going. Do you have a central website for it? Oh, yeah, um, DeLoreanThePlay.com, and everything is linked on there from Twitter to Instagram and uh, Facebook. Book and all of that, yeah. John Ivy there. John, thank thanks for coming no, along. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll have full you. details on links back on our website, emberfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Uh, we're now going to do one of those uh, very careful, very careful sneak through, yes, and there we go. So, my John, you know how much life because you're like you're like leaving pretty like after I'm the going show. on a tram after this to the Although airport. Before, before I get on the tram, I imagine that there'll be hoax and there'll be tears and there'll no, be. No, sort of you're going to run away and just go no, bye no, really just, quickly. I don't know what the etiquette is on on a last show. Don't really. worry, we can deal with that because can later we? on we will be actually have people here who know etiquette, right? And you can okay. ask them, okay? And you can be confident about that, fine? And they will give you the exact answer, okay? Fine. But in the meantime, roll these dice. I have to know. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. 
I don't roll know. these dice, John. This is a common theme in this. Yeah, podcast, roll the dice. Where I'm Visit, roll the dice. I had there. What have you got? A couple of sixes. A couple, a couple of sixes. How many dice did you roll? Two. Two. So you've got twelve then. Yes. Good. There we are. So I've so, got a couple of sixes. I yeah. don't understand what the issue is here. There we go. Well, you know, you might have decided to roll thirteen Hi. instead. But there Who we are go. you? Ever appointing? Chloe Mashiner and Chris Hislop join us now from the show Adventurers Wanted. That is how yeah. we title it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, indeed. You have to that's, say that's it like say that. It. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. you should have been here yesterday. We could have got Will to do it. There we go. Aww. A 2250-hour <laughs> epic tabletop role-playing game, uh, playing at the Sweet Hollywood every hour until the 28th, effectively. Yep. That's a ridiculously long show. Yep. Well, I mean, we're only 220 hours in so far. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, most people do the same show over and over again. You're doing a different show every hour. Yeah, I mean, yeah. doing the same thing over and over again is so easy, though. I mean, <laughs> is it? I don't know that it is, <laughs> really. Would you like to do this show again, John? No. no. Would you like to do a different show? I, I yeah. Bless. Defense rests. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about adventure. I'm sorry, sorry. Tell us about adventure wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, Chris spits out his coffee. Um, well, yeah, it's kind of, if anyone knows tabletop role-playing games, I mean, the most famous one is Dungeons & Dragons that some people are kind of familiar with. Um, so basically, it's us playing that. Um, and by us, I mean, there's kind of a core group of about seven people working on it. We also have regular players who are wonderful performers who are also on the fringe, who happen to, to like these kind of things and are wonderful geeks. Um, and then also people can buy tickets to, to play themselves. And so we've had countless people rock up, uh, make up their character names, just get involved and, and be part of it. Oh, it sounds like my worst night. <laughs> you can also you. watch. You can also watch from a safe I'm distance. I'm just interested. A safe distance. Yes. <laughs> John, that what character? We should make a character for John. Well, that's easy enough. Go on, John. Is it really? Yeah. yeah well, well, now I'm not going to do this silly rolling of the dice thing. Uh, why don't you just tell me? Uh, really? Well, okay. Let's let's start from scratch. John, would you prefer to sort of run up towards things and engage with them directly, or would you oh prefer God, to stand man. at a distance? Oh, and stand, at a stand, stand at a distance. Oh, God. So magic seems obvious for you, I really? think. Yeah, really? Yeah, because then you stand at a distance, no one's going to touch you or hurt you. <laughs> that seems quite sensible. And also it means you're mystical and special and different, oh, and I think you, you like that, don't you, John? Yeah. <laughs> the PR's coming into this a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's quite odd. Uh, <laughs> yes, there we go. So, so, so John has magical abilities, then. What race would you like to be, John? Race? Oh, yeah, well, we, do, do you want hang on, hang on. We go race. species in ours. Oh, the word species. race is a little bit loaded these days. Oh, well, I was just thinking, you know, whether he wants to run 100 metres or 400 metres oh, or 100 metres. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, what do you think, 100 metres? I thought we were doing species first. We are doing species first. Yeah, I was okay. trying to save the race thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> didn't so work. Chris is in about, trouble I later. The well, I mean, you can start off by deciding what height you want to be. Do you want to be, like, two feet tall, anywhere up to about seven? And I'd like to be the height that I am now. Which is? Six. Six foot. Okay, half, we, half elf, human are kind of half elf, half human. Yeah, that, that's one option. Have you seen Lord of the Rings, John? Yes, I hated everything. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the wrong target audience. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I found it so so dark. half elf. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go for the half elf. We'll go for the half elf yep. because really? they also hate everything. Yep. That makes sense. Male or female? <laughs> John, would you oh, like the to play? Journalists? Is that yeah, what half elf? Journalists. That's right, John. <laughs> no, no, no. They have jobs. Um, so, John, male or female? 
Well, I'm male. I mean, I don't understand why I would have to go through any kind of transition in order well, to participate in this game. I mean, this is the nice thing about this game. It's one of the, the nice. greatest things mm-hmm. about it is that you are literally portraying a character that you have come up with on the spot or taken a bit of time to think about. <laughs> and that does mean that you can go, well, I fancy playing a different gender. I fancy playing yeah. a race or a species that isn't my own. I fancy a backstory I'm or a extremely history. extremely tight ass. I'm quite happy with <laughs> being me. It also <laughs> opens the door, as we've had, because we've had very heavy focus in doing this on accessibility and on making sure that we can allow people to come in and portray whatever they'd like oh. to portray yeah. so the idea of gender neutral characters yeah the people idea have of- come to us and said oh can i play an agender femme character who uses these pronouns and that's been absolutely no problem for us and it's been really nice so you've that- got people coming in wanting characters. are you got people coming in you've got character sheets from character- characters that they've been playing for decades have you got well, any very sort- long emails saying i want to play a character <laughs> look like the one i played in 1983 who does xyz and us going mm. right okay how does that fit we'll it make makes- it work yeah. it makes me think of the sims Yes, yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. A similar yeah. sort of, and uh, see, I completely understand Sims, but uh, <laughs> yeah, because it's a world that I want to occupy. Maybe that's maybe that's partly what it is. It is escapism. There is yeah. no question that there is an escapist angle to yeah. this. I mean, in my personal gaming, as a person who runs games and plays games, I find that video that um, role playing games fulfil a very important part of my fantasy life. I'm never going to be in a position where I can make a noble sacrifice for the greater good of millions of other people because I work in theatre PR. That doesn't exist. Um, And yet in this universe, like yesterday, I was playing a game yesterday on our day off. Yeah. Give you an idea of how nerdy the people we play with are. Um, Where I played a character who got in the way of something that would have killed someone else because it was the right thing to do. Would I be that courageous? No idea. Was my character? Absolutely. Does a game need to finish on the day that you started it? Not necessarily. No. 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 So can you run more than one game? I, I mean, clearly there are no rules written down. No, there are no rules. That's the nice thing about it. There are no rules, but there are rules. Yes. <laughs> yes. There are sort of, like, in the, same way, I mean? in the same way that when you drop things, they fall down, there are certain sort of in-universe rules of how things fit together, like jigsaw pieces. But how you use those rules to tell a story mm-hmm. is anyone's. Like, yesterday's game was a prequel to a home game that someone else is playing back in London where they wanted to develop some mythology about their universe and went, well, whatever happens in this story we'll use to build what happens to the characters in their history in another game they're playing elsewhere. So there are no story-based So it's a rules. storyteller device. It's yeah, story, that's it's, all storytelling. It's, it's, yeah. That's why that kind of, it doesn't have to finish on a certain day yeah. and why we're able to do one that's 250 hours long because it's all mm. one long, massive story. Yeah. Because you, you do an hour and then you take 50 minutes off and then you do the next hour and then how, how's the timing work on uh, that? Yeah, we, we kind of, we basically start playing at five minutes past the hour, finish playing at five minutes to the hour and then have a quick 10-minute rejig of new players coming in or do you ever get tired (laughs) no No, i'm not i mean seriously do do you ever sort of think oh actually you know what i want i just want to not do this now i've been i've been tired but never that i don't want to do it it's tired not exhausted yeah right and you never get bored of it no, because like so, every. Sorry, I'm not. Oh, not anyway. No, 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 that wasn't. That wasn't defensive reaction. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was me going. I don't. For me, having having, and I've been there probably for around two hundred or so yeah, hours. So. Yeah, that's right. I've been around uh, the show a lot, working on it, um, and we get kind of. It's it's partially because of the people who come in. Mm. Like you'll have someone who's either never played it before in their life. We've had quite a lot of people who've done that. Um, or someone who hasn't played for like decades, um, 
And they come in and they make up like a ridiculous name and then they'll do the most brilliant, weird things. Um, and you ask someone to like describe how they attack another, you know, like a sea hag or something on a pirate ship. And they'll describe like all these really cool backflips and how they fire off an arrow and it splinters into a door and then the splinters shatter into the sea hag's face and all this stuff. And when kind of there's constantly new people telling new things and making, oh, sorry, making stuff up, uh, it never, it never really gets boring. Wow! So oh. the show itself is then it's Sweet Hollywood, yeah. um, and, and as I said, the timings are a bit awkward. So there's lots of times, there's lots of spaces right up to the end of the fringe. It runs from ten till ten every day, with a break between three and five. So on the hour, every hour from ten until two, and then five until ten. So if you're around any hour of the day, either pop by and there'll be one starting in the next hour, or you'll be able to catch the tail end of one and watch the next one as well. It is very much an ongoing story. And it, yeah. is it being recorded? Yeah, is the whole thing is available on twitch.tv slash wanted to watch live. Twitch is a live gaming stream. So, so, the so, whole so John could live. watch that on yeah. his way to the airport? Absolutely. Yeah. You can watch it in the airplane these days as well, yeah. Yeah. Not on not on sleazy jet. I don't think. Potentially, I don't know. Pay for it. I don't fly easy jet. I have no concept of this. <laughs> wow, there's well, theatre yeah. PR. Theatre PR. Yeah, that's where you want to be. The, the lower bandwidth option is possibly uh, Twitter because we're also live yeah. tweeting the whole thing. There's constantly someone in the room tweeting what's happening in the story wow. and what's going on. And then everything's recorded for YouTube as well, so it's there for posterity. I feel as though I've learned a tremendous amount <laughs> in a very short space Lovely. of time. Have you learned how to do the show title? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to have to do that. That, that's, that wasn't part of the contract. That wasn't part of the contract. Fair enough, then. Fair enough, then. So, Although, to uh, be honest, there wasn't a contract. No. No, it's you and Breeze to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have pictures. Uh, right, then. So that is uh, Adventurers Wanted. Yeah, I'd never uh, do that. Wow, well, I'm so close to see what it's weird. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so close to see what I was going for the little guy from Nightmare. Oh. oh, which played the fringe like three times for a sort of nostalgia trip earlier on in the run, so we don't need to mention that again. Adventure as <laughs> wanted, a two hundred and fifty-hour epic, epic. That's closer. Tabletop <laughs> role-playing game, which never mentions anything from TSR at no, all, ever. ever. No, 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 no. Which no. is a shame, really, because if you did, that could make all the books tax deductible. You do know that TSR no longer exists, right? Ah, not if I roll these dice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most nerdy conversation we've ever had. And we've had some nerdy conversations, you and... Ah, Chris, it's been great to speak to you. <laughs> Uh, and Chloe, thanks for coming along. Details on that uh, at the website and links to Twitch and everything back at our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. We are nearly at the end of the live recordings of The Fringe. Watch the speaker as you go through. It's a D6 plus one injury. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris is now Chris is like, oh, he knows. Um, so uh, we're nearly at the end, John. Nearly ready to leave. leave, leave, leave hold on. Stay tanned. No, leave no. the chairs. I said we're nearly we're at the end. We're not at the very end. Oh, right. There we go. That's fine. We don't have a script for this bit either because we just kind of like sneaked it in at scene 12. We've never done a scene 12 before. So there we go. First to do anything. Because I, I think, remember we were asking about etiquette and things to do and saying goodbyes and all yes. of that. I thought we'd uh, partly get a little bit of advice uh, from the show that follows us on this very stage. So we've been stealing their carpet for the, for the entire three-week <laughs> oh, run. Oh, is this your carpet? It is. Yes. Where has this carpet come from? Just, just over there by the exit. <laughs> oh, I thought you haven't brought it from home. 
Oh, well, I think we not actually from home, Someone but it has home. come up from London. Right, uh, from the London. From the yeah. London. <laughs> from the yes. London. Yes, joining us now from Much Ado About Everything, the Etiquette Show, we have William Hansen and Diana Mather, who are familiar faces to us because they built their set as we take our radio <laughs> station down uh, and, and run through again. And, and you always like, look really frazzled, actually, not understandably so, because it's like, you need to get off the stage now. Yes. We've got to do all of this. Get out of the way. Well, we started off with four people putting up our, our, our screen and everything mm. like that, and then we got, went down to two, so we were getting rather frazzled but now we've got it right down to to fine line so we're totally relaxed aren't we yes, we're doing all right. totally relaxed doing yes. all right. so very briefly tell us about the show well the show is a one hour foray tongue in teacup foray into the history of english civility and where everyday customs come from and down on our proper job is teaching etiquette around the world that is actually a proper job despite what hmrc say to us each year and so the show oh, you have that of... problem <laughs> yeah. right. we all have that problem yes. okay right. so it's uh, it's a bit of the history of etiquette as well as of tales uh, from our own careers own experience mm. but um it is amazing actually the job that we do do because we're teaching sort of western business and social etiquette in places like iran and uzbekistan and china. places china mainly china actually and india because there'll be a lot of like businesses that are wanting to do the relation yes, to do that correctly that's right. so there's actually a lot of high stakes in etiquette in some circumstances there is i mean say iran who've had sanctions for 15 years they haven't done much business with you know, ordinary Western businesses. So they want to know exactly how to behave, what they should be saying, how they should uh, entertain people. And And, and how much detail do they need? I mean... Quite a lot. I mean, we had one boy from Thailand who came for a five-day course purely to learn how to eat with a knife. Okay. Thailand, a knife and fork. No, it's a, da, 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 da. and spoon. I'm doing this is not very good. Yes, it was. Radio, a, he's he's actually doing a thing. It a bad, thing but it, it is actually um, they eat with a, a spoon, and he was living in Washington. He couldn't eat with a knife and fork, and he didn't dare go out at night. So he wow. had pizzas in his room all the time. So by the time he'd finished, he was so proficient with his knife and fork, he could eat anywhere. And how long did that take? Five days. <laughs> he came on a five-day course. It wasn't just eating with a knife. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make out that you're, you know, no. Clearly it was a more, more detailed project. a lot project, of what we teach, it's, it's confidence. It's confidence to know that you can go into a variety of social and professional situations and you know what to do and you don't panic about how to use a knife or how to eat peas. You actually focus on building rapport with the people that you're there to meet, date, chat with, whoever. And also, we give people the confidence to ask if they don't know. Hmm. Nobody knows everything. I mean, I'm always still learning my Chinese chopstick etiquette. You know, when I As a, am I. Yes, yes when you yes. use a bowl, when I've you use a spoon. I've always struggled with it, yes. So always ask. People, nobody minds being asked the question. Is there much comedy in what you see? I don't mean in the show, obviously there is, but I mean it's as in, in your is, day-to-day work. There is quite a lot of comedy. But surely, given that you have to be all about good etiquette, one would never show that. How we don't take ourselves too seriously. But we do do find the comedic uh, element to what we do. If we ever needed a pilot series for YouTube, we're going to send John on one of your courses. (laughs) Oh, really? That would be just fantastic. (laughs) That would be fantastic. (laughs) Really? You say that now. (laughs) We've had some challenges in our time. Jeremy Kyle show, for one. You know, so we do do Uh, a lot of What what function did you perform on the Jeremy Kyle show? Surely you weren't the guests, were you? No, it was three (laughs) girls to turn into ladies in an afternoon. It was quite. And how did that go? Not too bad. It was their first outside broadcast, actually. It was, um, it was interesting, very interesting. <laughs> so the show itself is playing twice at twice the Rose Theatre at Gilded Balloon, which is when? Uh, which is one fifteen and 3.45 every day until Monday, etiquetteshow.com for more information. And you have more details online for your courses and trips around the world yes. and yes. going on there. Where can people find out more of that? Uh, either at the englishmanor.com or williamhanson.co.uk. Lovely.
Seeing as you're on the stage now, presumably we don't need to clear it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. If only. Yes, if we only. Do. We do. can help clear it, though. Yes, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, William Turner, it's been, it's been great to have you all, all, all for the three weeks and working together and everything and, and getting through and finally to get you on the show as well. So thanks very much for coming along. That's the end of our live recordings here at the Rose Unit Guild of Balloons. So we have thanks to give out as well to the staff and the team and everybody uh, at the Guild of Balloon who supported us uh, in this lovely little space. Maybe we'll be back here next year. Thanks to John Jacobs, who's my main co-host for week three. You didn't put an S on the end of my name, did you? Uh, I did there, but we're not going to edit it out. Okay. So it's John Jacobs, it's just one. You're fine. Thanks for much. Um, everybody else, uh, Dan Lentil, Mitch Ben, Courtney Powell, uh, Jen Blacker, Eyes. Have I got everybody into that one there? Um, see, this is the thing. We'll do, we've got another show tomorrow where we do the catch-up with the interviews and everything, so I'll make sure I get all the thank yous done properly there just now. Uh, thanks to my wife, for Vicky Clicks, for taking all the pictures, uh, for going through there. Thank you all for listening. We'll have one more show tomorrow with the best of the fest that we've not caught yet. But from the lives, to Ra for now. A Radio 6 international production from Scotland. Copyright 2017.